0: A better way to do this Let me show you a better way And we are live, welcome folks to episode 3370 of the Survival Podcast and today we're going to talk about something that America seriously needs to do more of and that is making reasoned and logical decisions decisions beyond just my process for decision making today though i am going to talk to you about why we have this problem in the first place why a redneck hippie duck farmer has to do a podcast and every once in a while do a podcast focused on this very subject how to make decisions many of you have listened to me for a long time and while you'll hear some new stuff today most of you'll be like yep i know that i know that jack said that before right I think this is important to do, though, because it helps us not just in our own decision making. But many of us are parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts. We need to be having conversations like this, maybe bring it down a level if you're talking to a younger person. But we need to be having conversations like this with our our youth. I was going to say our kids, but, you know, our youth. Uh, That includes a lot of people that are not really kids. If you're 21, you might be a kid to me, but I know you're not. You're a grown man. But you you may need to hear some stuff like this. Or if you have a 21-year-old or 18-year-old or something like that in your life, uh, they may need to hear stuff like this. A lot of the problems that people have in their lives or inability to achieve things are driven by an inability to make rational, logical, well-reasoned decisions. And so I want to talk to you about not just how to do it, But why we have the problem in the first place, how people have been basically educated into ignorance, how people were taught to not think. It was very intentional. I'm going to lead off talking about something that many of you all have heard me say before. Some of you will have a big problem with it, but I'll explain it. We live in a fascist economic system. I didn't say a Nazi system. I didn't say a neo-Nazi system. I am going to say it's a neo-fascist economy. And I'm going to tell you why having such an economy requires a false dichotomy. If you're going to have this as a political structure, it requires a false dichotomy and how to break free from it. And by false dichotomy, what I mean is really simple. When I go out and I say something a little tiny bit even controversial, and I'll look in the comments section and two different people that heard the exact same thing will shriek at me, and one will say, you know what they're going to say, you stupid libtard, I thought you was a good conservative when I found you and saw you as a survivalist. You're just an ignorant libtard virtue signaler like everybody else. And then the next commenter will be, you're clearly a right-wing extremist. It's obvious to me that you hate people of color or whatever. Two totally divergent takes on the exact same statement that triggered these two people. And why? Because we've gotten into a place in society where if I do not align perfectly with what your team has to say, I must be one of them, right? And it's both sides are just as bad about this. And that's not really the problem I'm trying to solve today. I'm actually trying to just show you that is part of the problem. Word, once you're there, you can't make an informed, logical, well-reasoned decision because the person leading you to the decision only has to use one or two mechanisms to get you there, right? Mechanism one will be, hey, you know what? This is something the other side hates. Well, you're for it, right? Or if you do this, you're on the other side. Well, I got to do this then, Right. Or they can actually just make it like the other side did it, and therefore you gravitate. So they can push you or pull you to a decision that's predetermined, that's an A-B choice. That's false dichotomy in a nutshell, right? It's the, the old thing with the, remember the Pepsi challenge, if you're an old fart like me? Back in the 80s, the Coke was the number one soda on the planet, and Pepsi was trying to make inroads. And they came up with this Pepsi challenge. And they'd sit people down and give them a little two little paper shot glasses, one with Coke and one with Pepsi in it. And most of the people picked Pepsi because if you had just a little sip, Pepsi was sweeter and people have been conditioned to like sugar. Well, there was no option C. Maybe I don't want your freaking corn sugar infused crap. I'd rather have a glass of water. I'd rather have a beer. I'd rather have a whiskey. But no, we'll just drill it down to A and B. And then one way or another, we'll just figure out how to make it where more people pick A or more people pick B, or we split them down the middle, or whatever we want it to do. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we do that, let's go ahead and thank our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is bulkammo.com. This is a company that's been with us about 10 years. That's a long time in the world of podcasting. And if you check them out, you'll see they have all the common calibers and some of the not-so-common calibers of ammunition. They have it in bulk. They have it at great price and great, uh, super fast shipping. Sometimes I've, I've heard from people that it shows up so quick, they're like, well, who, who what is that? It can't, oh, it's my ammo already? Yeah, it's, it's not quite Amazon Prime, you know, but it's close. It's two, three days a lot of times, and there's a big old box of ammo at your door. Now, you need to stock up on ammo for a couple reasons. One is a gun without ammo is an expensive club. That's all that it is. Two is that, Whenever we start hearing rumblings about gun control, and we're starting to hear them uh, again, um, the first thing that drives up is ammo and magazines, not so much guns. So you want to stock up while you can. Now's a good time to do it. And if you're going to stock up on your ammo, use a sponsor that's been with us for a decade because they uh, obviously support the content that you tune into on a regular basis. Next up today, KnifeKits.com. KnifeKits.com was not the first sponsor. They were like the second or third, making them right now the oldest sponsor that I have. Knife Kits has been sponsoring the Survival Podcast since March, March of 2009, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. That is a lifetime and a half in the world of podcasting, man. Uh, They have all the stuff you need to make really cool knives. You can do it from a kit form. You can get raw materials. They have all kinds of handle materials. They've got raw steel they've got all the kydex stuff you need to make holsters or sheaths they got all the stuff for the leather work they've got everything and they even do you know like the blue guns so that you can make holsters for guns that you don't have for other people if you're into kind of a business you can do this as a hobby you can make something with your kids or your grandkids and create a family heirloom it can become a side hustle some people use knife for supplies and run a full-time knife making business if you check them out you'll see why We've worked with them, and they've worked with us for such a long time. Check them out today at KnifeKits.com. And with that, let's get back into the main subject for today. Um, Again, I want to kind of just start off with how programmed society is. This is something that you're going to have to accept. And if it helps you, it's something I have to accept myself. No matter how hyper-aware you are of the things that I'm talking about today and the type of stuff that I'm, st- I'm, I'm talking about with you today, no matter how many times you've heard it, no matter how many times you've done the mental exercises that I'll lead you through today, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not free from this conditioning and this programming, and I'm not either. Every once in a while I catch myself ranting, you know, I'm a jack, I'm Jack, so I do jack rants, right? And sometimes it's not for theatrics. I catch myself ranting over some bullshit that doesn't really affect my life. It makes me mad, but it doesn't really affect my life. And by letting it into my brain and letting it make the decision for me to focus my energy on it, I am I am spending a a cost. There is a cost to every decision we make. There's costs and there's benefits, right? And sometimes the benefits are really big and sometimes they're really tiny and sometimes they're non-existent. So the cost, the benefit side is a big variable. The cost side is a big variable, but I'm going to tell you that there is no decision you can make. And we'll get into this deeper later. There is no decision that you can make with zero cost. There's no such thing. we will just do it now. Your mental energy is a valuable commodity. You have things in your life that you want to accomplish. You have things in your life that you want to get done. You have things in your life you want to stop doing, maybe a bad habit or a substance. There's all kinds of things that you need to do or cease doing in your life. Putting together better organizational structure, starting a business, whatever it is, doing a better job as a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, uh, whatever it is that you want to accomplish in your life requires synapses firing in your big-ass brain, which is, by the way, about three pounds of mostly fat and nerve. And if you are using it to be angry at a talking suit on television or ranting and raving or telling your uncle to vote different, who you've been telling him to do that forever and he ain't going to do it, or whatever it is, that energy is not being used to further your goals, and that is the cost. And if you say, well, you know, If I wasn't thinking about this right now, I'd be meditating and zoning out in the world of Zen, and I wouldn't even be doing that other thing. Then it costs you that because we need that time too. Your mind, your body are both batteries, and batteries need maintenance and recharging. So no matter what it's taking from you, there's a cost. So please understand that's part of why this is such an important thing. And I want to start out with how and why modern people were taught not to think. Because we were taught not to think, and we were taught not to think in one of the most malicious ways possible. A less malicious way would be, you are a servant of the state. You are a servant of the oligarchy. Shut up, sit down. Put your paper on the left and your pencil on the right. Do as you're told. You're not allowed to think. That would be shitty. It wouldn't be very effective because people don't like being told that they're not allowed to think. But at least it would be honest. Instead, we have created an education system, and I'm talking K-12 and university, uh, all, pers- all post-high school education, all of it. We have created a system that has been designed to convince people that they're smarter than they are. Now, there's some really smart people out there, and some of them are made smarter by that system. But in the end, all of us tend to think because of our education, we are smarter than we are. We have been conditioned to believe that since we were able to listen to somebody parrot some bullshit, regurgitate it, and get the right answer and fill in the right bubble, that equals smart. It does not. It means you learned a thing. And you don't even know if the thing you learned is true or not. There's a lot of things, especially if you're my age, there are things that we were taught in school that they now say, yeah, we got that wrong. But we believed it, and maybe some of us maybe will still defend it. We have been programmed into this belief there's a right and a wrong answer on a fact-based question. There is, is the sky blue, yes or no? And that applies to everything when it doesn't, when it doesn't. There are shades of gray in many places. There are hard, factual laws like the law of gravity. You drop something, it falls. But we don't even know what gravity is, so let's not pretend that we do. And that and we do know it's curved space and we understand that. But what really causes it? Well, it's mass. Well, how starts to fall apart? We don't really know. And so we've been convinced like if it's a fact, there's this A or B. Well, there could be C, D, E, F, G. There's nuance to many things. The other thing we've been conditioned to believe is that when you have a thing that is an opinion based thing, there's basically two opinions to be had. We don't spend a lot of time educating people about anything approaching a middle ground or a nuanced decision. And the university system's done a really good job of doing this. You have A and you have B. We want you to believe B. And we'll put a whole bunch of fucking nuance that all arrives at B. It's not really nuance because that's not what nuance is. But just a whole bunch of bullshit that makes you end up at B if you want an A for a grade, and then you'll feel like you used nuance to make a decision, but there was really only two decisions, and therefore it is not a nuanced decision. This is by design. And this is by design because not only is modern the modern U.S. economy and system of governance a fascist system, it has pretty much been so since at least the end of the Civil War since at least the end of the Civil War. And this isn't some pro-South bullshit. You guys know that I pretty much stay out of that whole, you know, crap about it. was states' rights. Yeah, states' rights to own slaves. So this isn't not about, like, if the South would have won, we would have had it made in the words of a Charlie Daniels song. This is just, that's kind of the point where we really turn that corner fully. And this is not about Nazis when I say fascism, but I will tell you this. The first country in the world to sterilize people, because they were considered not worthy of reproduction, was not Nazi Germany. It was the United States of America. So even if you feel the need to bring those parallels in, we kind of set an example. We actually received a letter in the early 1900s from uh, Germany that congratulated us on having the courage to take action in that world. So even if you want to say, is there any corollaries between what happened eventually with the Nazis and us, there is. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the textbook definition of fascism. And that is a very simple definition that has been clouded with a bunch of bullshit, so you won't look at it. And it is where the state and industry work together and collaborate to leverage the differences between the classes So upper, middle class, lower class, rich, poor, etc. And it's many classes. It's not just economic classes. They leverage the difference between the classes and act as mediators to the end of improving the results based on the desires of the industry and the state. That's fascism. If you look it up in an economic textbook and it will say it's authoritarian, well, I submit to you that we're quite authoritarian. Okay, and but it always wants to blend in the swastikas and all. You know, Spain was fascist officially up into the 70s. There was no swastikas, though they did collaborate with the uh, the Nazis. There was no swastikas. There was no concentration camps, etc. Mussolini was a fascist. We've had avowedly open fascist countries in Central and South America over the years, and it wasn't. It wasn't Nazism, Nazism, right? It was exactly what Aaron's saying right here. Public private partnership. See so now on the soft glove of the soft glove of neo-fascism. So many people run around and they say words like neo-Nazi. They don't even know what the word neo means. You shouldn't use a word if you don't know what it means. That's part of our lesson today. If you don't know what a word means, you should look it up. And if you think it's bad, good, whatever, you might find out it's just a modifier. Neo means new. That's what it means. So neoliberalism is new liberalism. Neo fascism is new fascism. And corporate wants you to find the difference between these two things, and you know how the meme goes. They're the same thing. So is neoconservative. So neocons, neolibs, right? Neo fascists. New. That's what the word means, it means new. So if I had a Neo microphone, right, I have a new microphone. That's all that it means is new. So we have taken the word Neo and we've made it a direct negative because of its primary. If I say Neo, the first thing most people think of, even if they think of Neo-continuele, the first thing you think of is Neo-fascism. So we've ruined a modifier. And that is the only reason I've spent that much time going into that is because this is the mechanism of mind control. We create an association that's negative or positive with a term, and then people tribalize into their belief of what's negative and positive. We end up with a dichotomy or a false dichotomy versus a dichotomy. There are actual dichotomies. If somebody's trying to push you off a cliff, you either fight your way and don't go off the cliff or you go off the cliff. There's not really a third option there unless Mr. Spock's going to beam you up to the enterprise, unless i you, there are dichotomies. But what we, what we struggle against is a false dichotomy, a belief that I have to pick one of these sides. People ask me why I don't vote. Well, in pretty much every election of my lifetime, I looked at both of the candidates, at least at the presidential level and said, both of these people are traitors to the constitution. They're about to swear an oath to. They're not going to abide by the constitution of the United States. They're going to swear an oath to that. I don't vote for traitors. So none of these people get my endorsement. That's that's stepping out of the fault. You, know, you don't have to agree with me that that's the right choice. You can justify your decision to participate however you want, and I will not argue with you about it. What, what makes people the most upset in that particular decision is when they give me all their reasons that they think it's important to vote for Ask Clown A or B, and I say, you should go do that. And then they realize, but I'm saying I'm still not. Then they get really fucking mad. Because they can't stomach the fact there actually is an alternative. There's an alternative to participation in this AB false dichotomy model. But if you want to rigorously control a society and you want to use authoritarianism, but you don't want it to be overt. Right. Like you want to lock people in their homes without welding the doors shut like they did in China. You just want to lock them in there anyway. You need to create a team environment. We're the monkey self-police and throw shit at each other. You have to have a false dichotomy for that because most things that we make decisions over are not not dichotomy-based things. So you need a fake one to have control. If you want to have a consumerist-driven economy where people will kill each other over TV sets that they don't really need on Black Friday, you need a false dichotomy. I either get there and get one or I don't. Well, there's a lot of other ways to get TV's. The deal isn't that good. It's probably not worth stepping on an old lady's face to get one. And by the way, asshole, we all know you're not buying it for a gift for Christmas. You're buying it for yourself or you wouldn't be acting that way. But you have to create that dynamic. So once you understand that, you can start to realize, again, every decision. And this is so important. Just because you don't buy a thing or enroll in a course or something like that doesn't mean it's without cost. So it's really simple when you're making a decision. Should I go to college and pursue this degree? You can do a cost-benefit analysis. What does a person who pursues this degree, what's your likelihood of working in your field, what's the median salary at starting five years, ten years, what's the loan, like there's, this is why I don't want you to do it because a lot there would be a lot less people going to college if you did that. But that you can clearly see, like, I'm going to borrow $20,000 a year for four years. It's going to cost me $80,000. Plus it's going to cost me four years of being a full-time student and my time That I could be doing something else with that may be worth the investment it may not but clearly I can see that the decision to say yes has a cost the decision to say no has a cost because I gotta go do something else I can't sit here like a turd in a yard the dog dropped and wait I gotta go do something so we think that is clearly I make a decision there's a cost to make much more simple I'm thinking about buying a, a new couch If I buy the couch, there's a cost. If I don't buy the couch, I have a shitty old couch, or I have no couch at all. There's a cost to that. But what we don't realize is when somebody puts some shit on the Internet or television or the radio, you are like, I am so angry. There's a cost. There's an emotional cost. There's a mental energy cost. There's a time suck cost. So the first thing that you need to do When you're faced with a decision of any kind, whether it's where you're going to focus, have an emotional response, anything like that, you ask yourself, is this really important to me? And here's the thing, because we're all programmed, and again, even I struggle with this. So don't say, not me, because you're full of shit. You're full of shit. You can't grow up and be put through the programming of a society like this and be complete. You will never be free of it. All you can try to do is be more free. It's like it's like cutting the distance to a place in half. You'll never get to zero. It's like that. You can start across the room, and you cut the distance in half, and it's a big bit of progress. You cut it in half again, it's a quarter of the original progress. You cut it in half, it's 12.5. And no matter what you do, you never kind of get to 100%. So you can't do it. So you have to ask yourself, this is really important to me, and you have to accept the fact that your snap answer Your snap answer might be yes, because you're angry, or it makes you happy. Yeah? So then, if you get a yes, before you go on, why? Is this important to me? Yes. Why? If you cannot clearly articulate why it's important to you, other than it makes me mad, it's not important to you. It's not. Because it's probably there specifically for the purpose of making you mad that's probably why it's there whoever put it there probably put it there to elicit an emotional response because the number one way to get people's attention is to elicit an emotional response so maybe they put some trans activists up there talking about coming after your kids do you have kids is this person going to get near your kids like this is important to you and then you know There's also, let's be nuanced. It's not dichotomy. Yes or no. That's a good start. Because if it's no, then we can just, we're done. That's why we ask this question, because we can kill 90% of the time suck wasting bullshit or poor decisions about buying things or supporting things that come into our lives. If we get to that and we immediately, when we know the next part of the question is going to be why, and we know we don't have an answer, so we say no, drop that shit and move on. Your life just got. Probably, for most people, 100% more effective. Step one. That's all it took. When you say why, you're going to determine something else. Well, maybe it is important, but how important is it? How important is it? How do you make a decision as to how much money you're willing to spend, let's say, at a restaurant? If you go to a restaurant that's kind of an entry-level chain, an Applebee's and Chili's or something like that, you're probably not willing to spend very much on a steak. And why, I know those seem related, but follow me here. Why are you like, I'll spend 12 bucks on, if I'm stuck at a Chili's, I'll spend 12, 14 bucks on a steak, right? But I'm not gonna spend 30 bucks on a steak or 35 bucks on a steak at Chili's or Apple's. I'm not gonna do it. Why not? Because it isn't worth it. Because I know the quality of the meat itself The quality of the chef and the seasoning and the quality of the service that's going to put that steak in front of me is Chili's quality or Applebee's quality. And it's only worth a certain amount of my life force now represented by dollars. If I go to Lonesome Dove, run by Chef Tim Love in downtown Fort Worth, I'm not going there every week. I'm not going there every month. I get to go there maybe once or twice a year. Sometimes every other year. It's a very expensive venue. I'm spoiling myself. But when I go there and I look at the price and I see that this elk loin that I'm going to eat or the steak that my wife's going to eat is 40 bucks or 50 bucks. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay for it. Why? Because the exact opposite. I know that that piece of ribeye my wife's going to eat was dry aged for 45 days. I know that it was perfectly seasoned. I know that if they bring that out and she cuts into it and it ain't exactly the way she ordered it, they will fall over themselves, apologize, and replace it and beg us to be happy. I know that the service I'm going to get is extensive. I know that if I'm sitting there and clearly my table needs something, even if it's not my dedicated server, somebody's going to come by and take care of it. I'm going to pay more because it's worth more. All right. Start doing this with your decision making. If it's important to you, but there's only so much influence, so much value in focusing on it, then give it very little of your attention. And if it's something that's really important to you, figure out what you can do and you act on it. And if you can't figure out what to do, it's probably less important than you think it is. But understand that there is, it's a dimmer switch. It's not a dichotomy. It's not on-off. Next, you have to ask, how did I even become aware of this? Is it my friend sent it to me who likes to troll me with shit? Was it on one of the mainstream media that I already know are a bunch of lying bastards that I can never trust anyway, so I should probably not even care? Was it put up in front of me by an, how did I, how did I even get this in front of me? This is important. This is important because you might realize that not only do I not need to worry about this, but however this got in front of me, I need to avoid this source of information in the future. It's just a time suck. And then, Like I said, if it is important, can I take any meaningful action? If so, what? As you work through this process, you will find that a lot of times that you really think, yep, it's important. As you start asking these questions, you'll start realizing, no, I was wrong. Or, yeah, I care about this, but since there's nothing I can do about it, I don't have any time to fuck with it. I got to go figure out what I can actually do. Because, again, every decision, including just I'm going to focus my brain here for 10 minutes, has a cost. You can have relationship costs over this. You look at some shit while you're taking a dump, right? Just to be blunt, right? And and, and kind of coarse, right? You go to the bathroom. You're, it's a weekend. You're home with your wife or your husband. You go to the bathroom. You open up your phone, which is a mistake, and you don't pay attention to where it's coming from, and something pisses you off. But you know it's something that they don't really need to know about or care about, and then you just have this undertone of fucking anger, and your relationship with your significant other is damaged, right? Because you're being a dick, or you're being a bitch because you're angry about something that nothing to do with. And maybe it's a little tiny bit of damage. They don't. It doesn't. Even, it's like almost subconscious. It's not even really focused on. And in five minutes, you get over it. And you guys are taking a walk around the garden or something, like it never happened. But Think about it like sci-fi where like they're getting the spaceships getting shot and they say the shields are, you know, getting lower and lower and lower. Every bit of that damage is cumulative across time. Be careful. Where did this shit come from? Can I do anything about it? And if you can, then you need to next you need to go, well okay, it's gotten this far. I think I know what the fuck I'm feeling. I think I know what I'm talking about. I think I know what I can do. So your next question is, what is the source of my knowledge on this issue? Do I really know what the hell I'm talking about? You're going to find a lot of times you don't. You're convinced you do, but you haven't actually asked yourself, what do I know about this? Where did the information come from? And when you get to that point, then you have to start asking about the source itself, whether it's the direct source that's in front of you right now or your past sources that have led you to believe that you think you know. What is the source's agenda? What is the agenda of the people that gave you the information? Now, I'm not talking about an ad hominem fallacy attack here, but every entity has an agenda. The Let's say Fox News, their agenda is to promote The establishment right, that's their agenda. CNN, their agenda is to promote the establishment left. Okay, if if you doubt that, you live in a fantasy land. I cannot help you. But there's a commonality. They both are there to promote the establishment of the false dichotomy, falsely divided left and right. So if you're dealing with one of them, even though they may be giving you totally factual information, and that information may be something that actually is important to you, and there may be something, though I guarantee if it's one of those two sources, quite minor, there may be something you can do about it. You have to know going in, these people have a fucking agenda, and it probably isn't to help you. Know the agenda, because if it's somebody that really is trying to help you, even if they're not 100% right, let's say a well-intentioned friend that sees you making critical errors in your life and they have the guts to come to you, you should value that source more than anything that comes from your screens. So what is the source's agenda? What is their track record of being right? How many times, even though now, they're telling the truth about the was Fox wrong? Didn't Fox run the real-time death counters and all that shit too? How many times has this source been wrong versus how many times they've been right. If they have a track record of being wrong a lot, you should assume until proven otherwise, they're wrong this time too. Doesn't mean they are. You should fact check that shit and not by some little bubble that you know, Facebook or Twitter put up, but legitimate research. If it's important, this is why we start off. Does this really have any importance to me? Can I do anything meaningful about it? If either of those answers are no, you shouldn't even be here. You should have already written that shit off. I gave it my five seconds of mental energy. I'm back to building my life. But if it's gotten this far, then you, you need to make sure. And then you do that by saying, well, what do other sources say? Now, when you look for another source, you don't look for someone on the other side of the false dichotomy. You look for somebody not in the dichotomy. This is why I use CNN and Fox. Okay? They're both out there with an agenda of promoting the establishment and then break that into a left and right viewpoint. But they have a common goal. Promote the establishment. Therefore, if I'm fact-checking either one of those sources or anything like them, I cannot use their counterpoint as a legitimate fact-checking thing because they're going to stick to the part that promotes the establishment and they're going to bifurcate on the part that points to the political ideology. So I have to go somewhere completely else. I have to look at it like a like a detective that's actually doing his job and wants to know did John here that's in the chat right now did he kill Aaron or not, right? Did he kill Aaron or not? If I'm doing my job, it shouldn't be can I make a case that John killed Aaron? Hand it off to a DA who will get a conviction so it looks good for me. That shouldn't be what I do, right? That shouldn't be what I do. No, I should, my first concern should be, did he do this or not? And so I'm going to research the actual facts. And unless facts that I can find and evidence I can find indicate that there's a probability here that it really did happen, if I can't do that, my, my job is to clear him. And this should, all my, if I hate him, I hate him. And let's say I don't have a a conflict of interest. It's not like I hate him because he beat me up at school. I just meet the guy and I'm like, this guy's a dick. I don't like him. I wouldn't shed a tear if he was in a box for the rest of his life. Should have no impact on the facts. This is how you have to approach when you fact check something to see if you care about it or if you're going to act on it. And it doesn't matter if it's from the media directly or indirectly. That's how you should approach a decision about do I spend this money for this education? Do I buy this car? Do I buy car sales? Is the perfect example of this manipulation existing outside of government and media. Except, you know, car companies use media to sell to you and market to you on TV. You you, you see that when it's like this family that's all happy, that by the way, 99.9% of them all have to be multiracial now. Have you seen any car commercials where they're not a multiracial family anymore? It's ridiculous. Um, and I, I don't care if people are, have multiracial families. I just know that, like, the the majority of them aren't. So it's obviously orchestrated to an agenda. But then it's like, now that we have the Canyonero, we can go camping, as though you couldn't have went camping in a freaking Fiat, right? Like, And they show these people, like, rolling down the street, so that's emotional. But the place where they really do it is when you actually make the mistake of going into a talk to a car salesman before you've absolutely raked their nuts over the coals on the phone to tell them this is exactly what I want, this is exactly what I'm looking for, and either you can do that or you cannot. And I'm not coming in there until we're 5% away from this deal. If you don't do that and you go in there, you know what they do? They drag it out. They keep you there as long as you can. They can. They make everything take forever. Well, let me go talk to my manager again. oh. You should be able to go in and buy a car in five minutes and get the best deal possible. But they're trained not to allow this. They're trained to drag this out. They're trained to keep you there. So if your plan was, I'm going to go to three dealerships today, you don't. And you walked in there at noon and it's freaking six o'clock and you're still freaking there. And you're like, I want this to end. This is the same way they manipulate in so many things. I remember during the the, uh, the, the second Gulf Wars, we were getting ready to go into Iraq. I remember talking to people who were literally opposed to it. Good for them. But then they were finally like, but if we're going to do it, let's just do it already. This is the mechanism of control. They get you to a point where you're like, damn it. Yeah, I just want this to be over. I'll do whatever it takes for this to be over. By the way, back to the police detectives and shit. Same way they interrogate people. That's why you ought to lawyer. But see, if you were willing to have, lawyer. But lawyer, but lawyer, officer, are you denying me counsel? Because you don't know what they think they know, even if you know you're innocent. And so we won't go down that rat hole, but you won't find a lawyer that disagrees with that advice. They hold you as long. And you can literally get people to do things they completely are opposed to because they want a situation to end. This is how they run a news cycle. If you continue to focus on their bullshit, they will beat you over the head with it until you'll capitulate and pick a side, even though you never wanted to. And whichever bias you choose to consume, that's probably the side you'll pick. And you won't know it while it's happening, while it's happening to you. And then, after all that, you should also say, is this something that I want or that I need in my life or my business or, or whatever? So even if you care about it, even if there's something you can do about it, do you actually want this idea, this concept, this thing? Do you actually want this in your life? I can think of a really great example of this recently and seeing a guy with a lot of fortitude, assuming all the story is real, right? There all is a story this dude's a plant or whatever. He seems authentic and genuine. Um, uh, Oliver Anthony, right? Richmond, north of Richmond guy. He was offered like eight million bucks and a bunch of tour buses and shit and he turned it down. And you might say, how does a person turn down eight million an eight million dollar signing bonus? I mean you're you're set for life at that point. Well if you got a dude that's always been blue-collar for real that's had substance abuse and depression problems but he's corrected his life a great deal even though he's not perfect and he realizes You know, if you have substance abuse problems in the past, there's a word for that. Sounds a little harsher. Recovering addict. If you're a recovering addict, you don't need eight million dollars in a bunch of tour buses and people will tell you everything. You don't want that in your life, especially if you have become big enough that you can have an income that gives you everything you really need for the rest of your life. Just from running things completely on your own with total independence. So he may never make as much money that way. But he knows he doesn't want that kind of money in his life. And it's hard for people to get their heads around because we think money's the a solution to everything. And trust me, I've had a life with money and without it, and it's better with money. But how much do you need? If you're Rodney King and you rightfully sue the city of Los Angeles and you end up with millions of dollars at a time when you, it doesn't belong in your life, you can end up dead in a few years at the bottom of a swimming pool, which is exactly what happened. If you win a lottery and you're really not ready to have that kind of money in your life, you end up in worse shape in five years than you started out before you won. So just now that's obvious. That's why I like these things that are obvious, that money can destroy you if you get too much of it the wrong way. So many other things can, again, damaging your shields across time. Captain, we're down to 79%, 68%, et cetera, across time. Except there's nobody over there, you know. Chekhov or Geordie LaForge or whoever's not there to tell you it's happening. It's it's often imperceptible. You know something's wrong, but you don't know why. So if you ask the question, do I really want this in my life? And the answer is no, let it go. Let it go. Uh, Then you ask, has this ever been an issue for me prior to right now? If you're 50, And you have lived without knowledge of something and it's not going to make your life better to get involved with it. You don't need it. You don't need it. Uh, I have a really cool dude that I fish with a guy named Noah. Noah, the fishing guy in Florida. And uh, when we go out fishing, first place we go is one of the bridges to catch bait before we go out to like a reef or something like that. And, you know, I throw a six, eight foot cast net really well. And I have a way I do it that's not the right way, but it works. It's the Florida, it's the Jacksonville, Florida way. Everybody in Jacksonville threw a cast net through just the way I do. Well, he needs to catch us a bunch of bait fast so we can get the hell out of there. So he throws like a freaking 14-foot net and he divides it into two pieces and all, and he throws it and he throws this beautiful, perfect umbrella, this huge. I mean, it, you could swallow somebody's boat with it and pull their boat in. And I remember saying to him a few years ago, man. I never learned how to do that. I should, I should learn how to do that. And he said, How old are you? And I said, 49. And he said, If you ain't throwing one of these at 49, you don't need to throw one. You have, your back doesn't need this. You hire a guy, I throw it. I get paid to do it. I need to do it because I'm a fishing guy. You throw your little six foot net in the surf. That's all you need. You don't need this. And he was right. Now, that analogy, so you can understand, when something's not been in your life for a long time and it won't, infinitely make it in some way better, you probably don't need to worry about it. The other thing you need to think about, if you do have a history with it, has that history derailed you before? If there's some specific subject that angers you, and you find yourself in the past have wasted hours looking at it angrily, when you could have been doing something, it's probably going to happen again. Filter that shit out of your life. If you don't, it will continue to do what it did in the past. See, we think this whole shit about the people that can't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. We think we're always talking about, like, the American Revolution, the Civil War, World War II, or, you know, the Roman Empire or whatever. How about applying that little dingy to your own freaking life? If you can't remember your own past from a year ago, you are doomed to repeat it. That's probably worth the price of admission to this episode right there alone if you'll take it to heart and start analyzing your life and your decisions about what you're going to do based on your own past. If every time you have more than two beers, you turn into a dick, stop doing that shit. If every time you let yourself eat a particular food, you overeat on it and feel like crap, stop eating it, right? So it's not just about their direct mechanisms of control. You understand this, substances, foods, health issues, all of it is part of controlling people. When you are, if you're running a a, a meat operation with animals, you do not want a cow to behave and have the strength and the tenacity of a fucking cape buffalo. If you want to get your ass killed hunting in Africa, there's a bunch of ways to do it, but wounding a freaking bull cape buffalo is a really good way to do it. You hit them right, they go down like a deer. Boom, crush, gone. You hit them wrong, then you can drop freaking 50 slugs of 470 nitro in them and they might still get to you. So if you're a rancher, even... A really high quality rancher, you want your animals domesticated. If you're in the mass production business, you want them a little bit sick. little bit sick animals are grateful to be fed. They do whatever they're told. They walk right into the slaughterhouse and they're kind of grateful for the bolt in their brain. Sound familiar? If you want a population to be easily controlled, you want them overweight. You don't want them fit and healthy. If you want to make money off them with a giant pharmaceutical industry priced in the trillions of dollars, they need to be sick or believe that they're sick at least. And if they believe they're sick and take your drugs, well, some bitch, they'll actually get sick. So they need to be able to do this to control us. And if you start realizing that, you start realizing what are the things that have derailed me in the past. Get that shit away from you. If you watch a, a TV station and you space out on to the point where you're like, man, I should have got some stuff done today and I didn't. You need to self-limit. And if you spend the next two days pissed off walking around angry, wake up in the morning still pissed off about what you heard the night before, stop that shit. No good is coming from it. Your shields are being damaged. On and on again, your shields are being damaged. Next, on problems, needs, and wants. We start looking at this stuff through that lens. Problems, needs, and wants. This is a problem. Do I need it or do I want it? I need food. I want steak. Yeah. But if it's a problem, if it's an issue, even if you're deciding, like, do I support this? Like, you go into the world of politics. You see my shirt today? Guys, it says politics, a game invented by psychopaths, run by sociopaths, played by idiots. That's how I feel. But maybe you don't. Maybe you want to be involved politically. With Fine, God bless you. But if you're going to make a decision about a, a policy. The first question should be, what happens if we do nothing? There's so many things where we get to, we have to do something. We have, But do you? We have to do something. But do you? What happens if we do absolutely nothing? We do absolutely nothing. You know what happens when we do nothing? Most of the time, whatever it was, it stays the way that it is. Now, there's times when that's not true. You, an honest exterminator visits your house and comes to you with a little bottle, and in that are some little critters, and you look at them and go, what are those? And they go, that's termites. And you go, are they in my fence or in my, no, they're in your house. Now, if you do nothing, they eventually eat the shit out of your house. So that's, it's not like it's always nothing happens if we do nothing, or it just stays the way that it is. It can get worse. But many times we're convinced we need to do something I I would just submit back to you if we go back to uh, uh, February of 2020 and between now and then, if we had done nothing, right, and I don't want to get a strike or anything, you figured out for yourself. If we had done nothing about a certain big issue that we were hyped into believing we had to do something about, I think that overall we would be better off today as a society, as an economy, as individuals. But we had to do something because fear. And understand that, generally speaking, the, the, the mechanism used to, to trigger attention is anger, but action is fear. And so really ask that question. What happens if we don't do anything? And if the answer is basically nothing happens if we don't do anything, then we probably shouldn't do anything, especially if it affects other people's lives. If you're making a decision about buying a couch or not, it's relevant, but it's not as important that nothing happens. So I have to keep using this couch I'm not really in love with, but it's not a bad couch. It's comfortable. I just don't like the way that it looks. And then then what happens if we do nothing? There's a consequence, but it's pretty minor. And what happens if we do something? Well, then I get this new couch. Okay. And is it worth the cost to you? Yeah. It's very simple. It's very simple. Then you have kind of like this gray area and you make a decision. But when we're looking at a decision that affects thousands or millions of people or hundreds of millions of people, or in that case, billions of people, if doing nothing basically won't mess anything up, we probably shouldn't do it and let people figure their own shit out. Do we already have something in place to deal with this before we go get a new thing? You you, you notice most of the crap that they tell you about gun control? We need this new thing. We need this new... They, 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 you know they've stopped calling it gun control? They call it gun safety? Yeah, any politician that uses the word gun safety, let me tell you what should happen. Somebody should take, I'll have to explain, about four foot long, big old salmon, whole salmon, put it in a freezer until it's like 80% frozen. It's got just a little bit of flex left in it. Should walk up to them and hold that tail like a Louisville slugger and smack them in the face and when they go over, hit them in the back of the head and get rid of them. Just you don't get to be making decisions anymore. That when somebody uses the word gun safety, they're lying. What they mean is gun control. But just think about how many times we've been told we need this new law. We need to close this gun loophole or whatever. And the tragedy they're holding up literally wasn't affected by that at all. Like, well, we need there's I can't remember something gun show loophole. There's another loophole. They call it a loophole. And it's basically, when you go to buy a gun, and you fill out a 4440, and they run the background check with the federal government, if 72 hours later the federal government still doesn't have an answer, they have to sell you the gun. That's the latest one that they want to use gun safety measures to fix, right? And the tragedy they're talking about, did the guy get the gun that way? No. No. So this doesn't do anything, but... How many laws did this motherfucker break in doing the thing that we're saying we need to do something about? Well, like eight of them. Okay, so I'm thinking this is a dude that doesn't not do a thing because it's illegal. So I don't think passing a law will stop this. We have all these other laws. And by the way, as they were violated, were any of them enforced? Did anybody pay attention? Anybody do anything? So y'all go fix your shit that you already have before you get new stuff. Right? Remember your grandma used to tell you, Billy, you finish your meat and your veggies before you get a, 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 a chocolate chip cookie. Right? Or you finish playing with that thing before you get another thing. We learn this when we're kids. We forget it when we're adults. Everything's Duff's mortgage board, man. We just shove all of it down our face. No. Do we have something to deal with this? Is it even really a problem? Because somebody doesn't like it, doesn't make it an actual problem. Because then we have nothing but problems. I guarantee you, no matter what it is, somebody's offended by it. Somebody's upset about it. I don't care. That doesn't make it a problem. We could have the um, Flowers for Orphans Fund completely privately funded, and I guarantee you it would upset somebody. Well, how do we know they're real orphans? Why only orphans? What about half orphans? Kid lost his mom. Isn't that good enough? Why did he get flat? Like, no matter what you do, somebody will bitch. So is it an actual problem? And it, it's 2 steps. Is it a problem for society on a big issue in reality? Okay. Is it a really a problem for me? I don't like it, but is it a problem for me? Probably not. So we have to ask that. Is it really a problem? Is it a need or a want? Do I need it or do I want it? Is it a blend? If you have a job and your old car dies, gets hit by another car, gets totaled by the insurance company, fixing it is not an option. And if you don't buy a car, you have no car and you can't get to work. You live too far away from work. Uber, buses, trains, planes, automobiles, right? Anybody else's other than yours is not an option. You need a car. Then you can legitimately say you need a car. Do you need a Ford Explorer? Do you need a Toyota 4Runner? Do you need a Corvette? Do you need a Maserati? Well, obviously, you don't need any of those things. You need a car. So you can have a need that also has an air of wanted. If I'm going to buy a car, I don't want to buy a $2,000 beater. That was a thing 25 years ago. Today, $2,000 is free for the junkyard. So I'm going to have to spend a significant amount of money. I might as well get some of the things I want with it. But we still need to differentiate. Like what I need is a trust. Trustworthy, reliable vehicle that I can afford that will get me to work and back so that I can make more money and pay for my life. That's the need part. Heated seeds are a want. Really easy to see. But every like what color is it? Well, what color is it? That's 100 percent a want. Right. Hunter says on the flowers for orphans. Are they real flowers? Were they grown organically? Did somebody use GMO flower seeds? What kind of, were the people paid well enough to the See what I'm saying? No matter what, there would always, yeah, good point, Hunter, right? Are they real flowers? But, yeah, separate the wants and the needs. This is something that, man, Gen Z, y'all motherfuckers don't understand this shit at all. The shit that Gen Z believes that they need is ridiculous. And, by the way, you smug assholes that are one generation past the millennials, Gen X, that raised those little bitches you're the ones that did it. You're the ones that gave them freaking everything. Don't sit there and crap on your own your own kids' generation now, right? You know, if you're older, acts like me, you, your kids might be millennials. But yeah, we we really need to make sure we're separating those needs and wants, and then realize many things have this gray area. It's not a dichotomy. It's it's a need. But not everything about it that I want is the need. There's the things I want about it. I need a couch. Why? I need a place to sit in my living room. <sighs> there is the floor, but I'll give you that. But then when you start talking about color, style, whether it's made out of leather or cloth, et cetera, these are all wants. And I'm not saying it's wrong to want things. I have plenty of shit because I want it. There's time. i worked my ass off my whole life. I don't have the money to do everything that I want, but I have the money to do any one thing that I want, and I have to make the decision based on that. But there's things where it's like a hundred bucks, and I just want it, and I skip all this shit and go, I want it, I have a hundred bucks, it's not gonna change my life, I'm gonna buy it. That's okay. Just know you're doing it, know you've, know you've shortcut the thing when you do that, when you make that decision. Next, how much of my bias is at play here? And then if you say it's it's 10% at play, assume it's 20. If you say it's 20, assume it's 30. Add at least 10% to what you think your bias is, okay? Uh, Dylan says, big difference between city and country Gen X, different problems but different mentality. I think to some degree that's true of anybody. There's a difference. Hill people and flatland people, if you want to put it that way, right? That's you know, the, the the Hill people have always historically been more of the anarchists of the world. Even if they were for government, they were for much more limited government. And the agricultural plains people have already always been far more central planning focused. So I think that's true in many ways. Where we grow up, how we grow up, the parents we grow up with all have impacts on us. But yeah, but your bias, and it could be because you're a country boy or a city boy, your bias is at play in your decision making. And you should always, it never hurts you to assume that you're applying more bias than you are, but it absolutely can hurt you to assume you're applying less. If you're, if you assume you're applying more, all you will do is think a little bit more critically about the situation. That's all you'll do. And if the situation is such that you were going to make the decision anyway, in spite of bias, you're still going to make the decision, even though you put more critical thought into it. In fact, even if you come to the same decision, the more critical thought you put into a decision, the more at peace you'll be with it once you've made it. Yeah. Why don't they teach this shit in school? On knowledge and belief. This is the next place we have to go. Do I know the truth or do I believe I know the truth? Do I know the truth or do I believe I know the truth? Or am I aware of the fact that I don't know the truth when I'm taking my best guess? Because those are pretty much your three options. You're not going to like know you're wrong and still do the thing based on the belief unless you're being completely self-destructive and you probably won't go through these, these, these mental exercises anyway. Yeah. But you can be in a situation where I know the truth and you really do. You really do. There is, there is, If you spend another three days looking at it, you know, your mind will not change because of fact, not because of attachment, but you're not going to find like, you know, this is really the most reliable car in your price range, for instance, would be a thing like you can know that like what's available right now. This is the most reliable thing in my price range that I have right now. There might be ways to make your price range a little higher. There might be ways. to, But with, with what right now I know this thing. This is this is a no. Or you might believe that and might not know that you just believe that. Because your bias might have creeped in and you kind of like it because it kind of looks cool. Or who knows why. But you can believe you know a thing and you just have chosen to believe it based on what you and you might not be doing it to be a dick to yourself or others. You might really. In fact, this is what I'm talking about. You really believe that, you know, you're just wrong. So that's the hard one to figure out. Like when you think you know, you need to really check. Do I really know or do I believe that I know? And then there's most things in life that really take time to consider and make a decision on. You'll know you don't know. You'll know you don't know. You'll know I've gathered as much information as I can. I believe this is most likely the best decision or the thing that's most likely true. But I know that I can never know. And therefore, at the end of the day, I'm going to have to make this decision and I'm doing it based on a preponderance of the evidence that I have. That's a nuanced decision. You are going to check yourself a lot harder when you're in that position than if you 100 percent believe, you know, because you do or you believe that, you know. So it, it kind of makes sense at all times, even when you know, you know, to assume that you could be wrong. And then you can still use that preponderance of evidence in your decision making. It's 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 a it's a simple skill to develop, but it's very hard to develop for most people because you spent your whole childhood and your young adulthood being conditioned not to do this. Trust me, your government does not want the words that I am saying to you right now said in a classroom to a bunch of fourth graders. Take the profanity out. Take the adult content out. Bring it down to their level. And they still do not want them taught this way because it's every time I bring up the education system someone will bust out the quote right the purpose of a system is what it does not what it claims to do or claims to want to do our educational system creates obedient members of the establishment it doesn't matter if they pick the right or left side of the establishment they're okay with that but they want you to be obedient to the establishment and what I'm saying is heresy in that environment. What I'm saying, even, again, brought down to the level of the child, remove the adult content, the four-letter words, will get a teacher fired. A teacher can dress like a woman, even though they're a man, talk to a child today about sex and not get fired. But if you teach critical thinking, they will fire your ass quick. A teacher can do two things to get fired, like rob a post office or some shit like that, commit major felony and might get fired or tell kids the truth about the reality of the world that's about the only two fireable offenses left they can be late for work they can screw up they can have all their class flunk they'll keep their job the the number of teacher vacancies increased last year by 50 percent they're begging for teachers right now pretty soon it's gonna be the other way around but for now they're begging for teachers so they can get away with anything except speaking the truth uh, Matt Powers, who will be teaching at our workshop in November about soils, was a teacher at a charter school. And he almost got fired because he had kids use Excel to analyze the degree they were thinking about going to college for versus the cost and the job at the end of the road. Can you tell me something that is more valuable to a high schooler than the ability to critically analyze their career path and say, is the cost and time and money worth this path? So that if it's not, they can choose another path. It's like one of the most glorious things I've ever heard a guy do. He got in so much trouble for that. At least you think I'm being exaggerating here. Um, you also should ask yourself, is there anything that could change my mind about this? Because if the answer to that is no, then your bias is leading your decision. There should be something that could change your mind about it, unless it's an absolute. Like the child thing. If you think it's okay for an adult to have sex with a minor, nothing will change my mind about that. So assuming it is the least bit subjective for anybody that doesn't have a mental illness, could something change your mind about it? Here would be an example. You guys that know me know I believe that we are doing incredible environmental damage to the planet and that we do way too many things that pollute the planet and do alter climate, especially at a regional level. And there's also giant megacycles that alter it at a global level, and we don't really play much of a role in that, though cutting down entire forest systems do. But I do not believe that CO2, in conjunction with four feedbacks in the IPP- IPCC model, are making the planet warmer because I know enough about science and what's known as a saturation limit for CO2. And I know what the four feedbacks are. And I know the people that tell me I've done my research. I've talked to the experts. You say, what are the four primary feedbacks in the climate model? They don't know what they are. So I have made an informed decision. Could you change my mind if presented with sufficient evidence to the contrary, not your opinion, not your angry email that I can hear you typing when you send it to me. If presented with su- su- sufficient actual science to the contrary, not a petition. A bunch of people paid to sign signed. Yes. Yes. I could change my mind about this. I have not yet su- seen sufficient if, uh, evidence to change my mind. So that makes me feel comfortable with my choice about the way I think. Now, there's also like, well, what could I do? Nothing, really. If they're right, there's nothing any of us are going to do. We're not going to turn off all the fossil fuels anyway, so there's other places that would eject, but I would change my my belief, and maybe that would change my actions in some way. So even a very controversial issue, I'm willing to say, if you gave me the right information, I can change my mind. If nothing will change your mind, and it's not a straight-up good and evil thing. Again, if you think it's okay for a 45-year-old man to diddle a 10-year-old, I think you need to go in a hole in the ground, and nothing will change my mind about that, Okay? So with those types of outliers removed, if nothing will change your mind, then you really need to ask yourself, why. is it an outlier situation like I just described, or is it you're so ingrained and so invested in this that it can't be true? Here's an example. You guys know that I, you know, have certain opinions about the stabby stabbies in the world and not just the newest one, but some of the older ones. And so I talked to my wife about this back when she was a nurse And it was pretty much fingers in the ears. La, 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 wouldn't she retired from nursing? She's now more anti-stabby-stabby than me, far more so, far more so. Because when you are in certain places in life and you are vested into them in a certain level and you're somebody that gives the stabby-stabby to children every day that come to your pediatric office, well, there can't be anything bad about that or you've been doing it for 20 years. You see, and so you have to make sure, again, I'm using blatantly obvious models in making these analogies. You have to look for the subtleties, and if you are like, this is the way, we're doing it this way, could anything change your decision? Nothing. Oof. Then you better reevaluate before you pull the trigger. Even if you still pull the trigger, you'll be in a better mental state when you do it. You'll be in a better, and you may find, I want to do this, but to do this, there's these two other things that I really should do first, because these other things really could cause problems. And so it's not even that I changed the decision, I've altered the mechanism of decision, nuance. Again, they don't want nuance in society. You go look at the, the front page of CNN or Fox News, pick one, and tell me they want nuance. They don't want nuance. Go look at the way that our school systems run, and you tell me they want nuance. They don't want nuance. Look at the way algorithms sort shit in social media for people to see. They don't want nuance, emotion, and response, and action, and division. You have to break that, or you're not designing your life. You're living the one designed for you, if you haven't heard me say that before. Is something I was trained to believe or a decision I've made? Is something a thing I've chosen to believe or been trained to believe? So many people, they think they've chosen a belief. You haven't. You've been trained to that belief. You've been trained to that belief. If you think the United States has always been the good guys, in all the conflicts that we've ever been in, then I'm promising you that you have not chosen that belief. You have been trained to believe that. I can show you multiple instances where we were not the good guys, subjectively, objectively, right? I'm sorry, objectively, that any person, the way I'm I'm trying to explain this, this was an experiment a friend I worked with at Lockheed did in one of his college classes. He wrote up two scenarios, two scenarios of two parents fighting over custody. They were actually identical scenarios. In one, the parent that was clearly abusive was the mother, and in the other, the parent that was clearly abusive was the father, yeah? And when he had random people read it and decide who should have parental rights, whether it should be exclusively to one parent, exclusively to the other parent, or some form of joint custody, almost everybody that read the scenario where the father was the abusive parent said, this person does not need to be around these children at all and if there is any sort of visitation or it should be earned he should go through rehabilitation something like that but it should be sole custody to the mother the people that looked at it swapped around where the mother did the same shit okay mother and this is part of our family court system problems we have mother did the, exa- the exact same shit so obviously there were different groups of people so they couldn't see that it was the same you know so i don't even know if it would have mattered And I think he used a test group of 100 on each one. Nobody, not one person, said that the mother should get zero custody. A few did at least say, like, there should be, you know, supervised education. Most said it should be joint custody because children need their mother, as though children don't need their fathers. Well, have you been trained to believe that? Or have you chosen to believe that? And the reality is most people had been trained to believe that. And he was in college. So all the people he asked were college students. They were in the middle of the brainwashing machine. This is still 30 years ago. And people thought that way 30 years ago. You need to understand. You need to understand the difference between that and understand you can never truly be free of it. There are so many things that you have been conditioned to believe you have chosen to believe, that there will always be room for error. There will always be room for error. My final thoughts on this is that this is probably like some of the most important content that I ever cover. I've covered this subject probably a a handful or so of times over 15 years. There's probably nothing that can do more to improve your life than invoking this decision-making process and since we did an hour and 10 minutes of it you're finding that's a lot of shit but it really isn't like I have trained myself to think this way as an analyst where it's like okay is this really important to me yes or no no done like that's that's how fast that first step is it is important to me okay why oh no it's not done yes it is here's how much you know How did I come in? How did I, how did I learn about this? Okay. Like, and then what's the reliability of that source? How much fact checking do I need to do? How much do I really care? You know, what's the agenda? What's the track record? What do other sources say? A lot of times you know enough to, you don't even have to do a lot of fact checking. You can be through that in five minutes, right? And if it's not worth five minutes, it's not worth anything. Okay. I don't have time for all this. Then that thing shouldn't get past the first step or two. Then it should be 30 seconds. If it gets that far, you, you you simply ask yourself, do I really want this in my life? No, out. I shouldn't allow it to get this far. Because what will start happening is you'll start jumping ahead. You start jumping. You ever read a book and you're like, oh, this guy's getting killed? Right? Like, there's so much foreshadowing. You're like, this dude's dead. This dude's dead as shit, and he ain't going to make it to the next page. Right? Uh And a good writer sometimes will trick you, but a lot of times you just know that this is your own life. You're not going to get tricked. So, like, you're like, no, I kept the no, like that fast. And you write shit off that quickly. Your life's better. Trust me, if it's really important, you'll hear about it again. I had people a long time ago, man, do a, a project. Very few people actually did it. And as some of the people that did it, I don't think they did what I said. I said, you should get a book, like a notebook, and today write down the things that you're most concerned about that are in the general, not like oh, I'm worried about my daughter because she's sick or something. Like, the things that are in the news, write it all down, yeah, and the next day turn the page and fold it over so you can't see the the previous page and write down that day's shit and do that for a month, 30 days. Then, and don't read anything you wrote the days before until you're finished with the 30 days. Then take the notebook, put it on a shelf for two weeks. Stop using it. Then that's 45 days since the first page. Pick the notebook up and start reading it from the front and see how many things you're like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, that never happened. Oh, that was bullshit. And you will realize like 80, 90% of the shit you put in there was pointless. Didn't matter. I forgot that happened then it couldn't have been that important. You know, they're going to take away my fill in the blank. And they did. And it went away. And you never heard about it again. That doesn't mean there's no threats out there. That just means most of the people shit people focus on is wasted shit. So you can get through this really quickly. when you get down to the end of it, you're just like, "What happens if we do nothing? That should actually be one of the first steps. I just don't find it. I can present it that way. And you might skip to that again, this dude's going to die by page three. like you're like, "Oh, if we do nothing, it's going to be okay, so I'm not going to worry about. It. all the rest of it can go away." You can find places that it dies all along the way. If you jump to that and find that to be factual, then you move on. Okay, so how much better would life be if we did this and if we taught our children to do this to where by the time a kid is 18 to 20 years old, when you put something in front of them, they run some version of this process before they act respond emotionally, choose to get involved, right? Start tick-tocking their anger or whatever. Like they say, wait, 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 wait. This doesn't matter to me. I don't have time for this shit. I need to go get a job, right? No, I'm not going to go to this college for this degree in bitterness studies because I just did the math and I'm never going to be able to afford my degree. But I'm pretty smart, so I think I'm going to go into chemical engineering or biochemistry or something like that. Or I'm going to go be a lawyer or a doctor or a mathematician or I understand the trials and tribulations of being a teacher, but I really love it. and I'm going to be a teacher. And since I know that if I have a very expensive degree in education or a cheap degree in education, if I'm going to teach kids in high school, I'm going to make the same amount of money. I'm not paying more. I'm not like how many of these problems that are insurmountable would either go away or be significantly mitigated if we simply taught this process. Then ask yourself, so why don't we? And then you'll see where I started. We live in a neo-fascist false dichotomy designed to control society for the government and for the oligarchy. Because it's the only answer you can come to if you ask it that way, isn't it? There's not really another answer, is there? What could be the other answer? All these people running all these institutions that have risen to the top of society and income and power are all so stupid that they fail this spectacularly miserably at the thing that they say they're trying to do. You can either believe that, or you can believe a lot of these people are dupes in the system, but overall the people running and controlling the system know precisely what they're doing. They designed a system to do precisely what it does. And they, they hate independent thought. What did they say during the scandemic, right? Do not do your own research. Imagine telling grown-ass adults that have access to more information than humans have ever had in the history of the world, that have in a pocket computer more information that was in the, Landry of, the library of Alexandria before it burnt down. Don't use it. If you're not smart enough to know the truth for yourself. Just do what we tell you. You tell me this is another explanation. And I'll tell you, go back to that question. Did you choose to believe it or have you been trained to believe it? Because most of what the modern person believes on both sides of that dichotomy, the young person, that thinks socialism is great. The middle-aged successful person that thinks there's no real problems in America except people don't work hard enough, both of those people. You haven't chosen to believe that. You've been trained. At some point along the way, somebody said, here's Coke, here's a Pepsi. You picked one, not knowing you could have a whiskey or a water. And once you picked that one, you are going to, from that point forward, allow the system that was in place to train you to that conclusion. That's where most people are. Breaking out is hard, but worth it. And truly successful people, especially independently successful people, even when they're not aware that that's what they did. That's always what they did with that. Let me remind you guys. uh, I have a really cool workshop where you can come out and hang out with people who think like normal fucking people. I mean, normal, regular, everyday people, not crazy people like most of the people in society. Free independent people. It's called the TSP Nine Mile Farm Fall Workshop, or TSP 23 for short. And uh, we have some really cool people. This is an example of cool people. I want to take just a second here. I didn't even think about this. But if you look at this picture, if you're watching the video, there's a, a fairly large individual in a gray shirt with a white hat on. And just behind him is an older gentleman in overalls with a cowboy hat on. That older gentleman's name was Steve Larkin. He passed away a couple of years ago, and we had a very moving uh, memorial for him at the last workshop and talked about him and how much he has done. He's one of the types of people I'm talking about. He was at every single workshop until he passed away. Where you're looking right now, that is the fall of 2020. That picture was taken when I happened to come inside and saw that they were talking about shutting down Thanksgiving and shit like that. And I went out and I told everybody that. I said, what do y'all think? And everybody lifted their drinks up and cheered and took a picture and it was great. And there's Steve. Steve had multiple transplants in his life, kidney transplants. He was not in the best of health. I remember what he said at that workshop. I ain't scared to die. I've been on borrowed time for years. I'm going to live my life. You want to make people that think that way? Come to one of these workshops. Um, One thing I wanted to let you know why I brought it up today, though. In the past, I've always limited tickets to one ticket per person to purchase. We end up with people that want to come as a couple, married couple, whatever, girlfriend, boyfriend. And so I have now set the system and there'll be multiple announcements about this before the tickets go on sale next Saturday. Not this Saturday. Next Saturday, I believe it's the 16th. 930 CST in the morning, central standard time. um, You can put in two and buy two if you're a couple. And I just ask that the form you fill out when you buy it, you go, there'll be a link where you can go back to it, go back to it, fill out one for your partner, just for the attendee list. If you put three in, you're cheating. If you put three in, I'm going to refund all your money and you don't get to come because you cheat. PayPal won't let me say limit to two. I can either say one or enter a quantity. Um, so if anybody abuses that, you're not coming. Uh, if I, if I think you did it as a joke, Jake, uh, I, I might go ahead and just give you a partial refund and still let you come. But, uh, nobody abused that. But if you are a couple and that prevents like dude gets the last ticket and then he's got a ticket and then he goes to do another one and get his wife and he sold out. That, that will hopefully prevent that from happening. There's no perfect solution to it. That's the best one I can come up with. But this is going to be awesome. You're going to meet some amazing people. Uh, read the write-up on the website. Uh, it's just going to be amazing. And uh, we have amazing food this year, as always. Next up, remember that you can always help support our show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. One of my favorite little bits of electronics is on sale again today. First of all, Anker, A-N-K-E-R. I don't care if you buy through t or not. If you buy shit that's electronic-based and you're looking for the best value brand there is, in other words, you're not going to pay full price, um, Anker is, is at the top, especially like audio stuff and things like that. e City is another great one for things like thermal guns and stuff like that. Those two are, I mean, I've, I've done my research, guys. These are two of the best value brands out there in electronics. Today's item of the day is the Soundcore waterproof Bluetooth speakers. Uh, these are little 12-watt speakers, but they have great sound, and you can pair two of them so you have full stereo. They're just awesome. They always work. And when I say waterproof, I mean you throw it in the shower, and it won't mess it up as long as you close the little hole thing on the back to keep water from going into, like, the charger hole or something like that. So a little uh, waterproof plug. They're actually IPX7, I think. So that means like you can submerge them and and they work. I've never submerged one, but I did leave one out in the rain. And then I'm like, yeah, I meant to do that. I tested it and it was fine. Um, They are on sale today for 25% off. They're a good deal at full retail. I think they're like 30 bucks at the sale price. These things are awesome. I have a really great AV system in my big shop, but out in my smaller shop, I just use this in my phone and it's, it's plenty enough. And when I'm in the garden, I just take them from the, shop I put them out in my my towers in my garden on both sides of my garden I got rock and stereo in my garden 20 bucks a pop, or 30 bucks a pop get two for 60 bucks they can go be independent they can come back together and work in tandem and anchor stands behind every single thing that they make they are a company if if you get one that's DOA or something they're just like we'll send you another one but remember you can always find out about all my reviews and what have you If you do your online shopping, starting at tspaz.com and you can help us out no matter what you buy, as long as you start there. And Tom says he has submerged one. No issues. Real quick. We would have one question and we'll wrap up um, just because I appreciate somebody asking. Kay Bonk said, have I ever considered interviewing Dorothy, my wife? Yeah. The answer is no. She's not real. She's she's actually this year. Come around to maybe being on an episode. But that's how far we've gotten 15 years from no to maybe. Uh, just not her thing, but of course, I would have Mrs. Survival Podcast on the Survival Podcast anytime. Today is Thursday because we were on a short week. That means tomorrow it will be Friday Expert Council Q&A, and then we'll get together next week and do it all again. And Remember, next weekend, if you want to come to TSP 23... Set an alarm. Set to Be ready because it sells out in minutes. Not out. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do.